This podcast is brought to you by Anise Cavanaugh, the author of a new book entitled Contagious You. Unlock your power to influence, lead, and create the impact you want. Please listen to podcast number 753, where Anise and Greg speak about how great leaders enable and encourage positive and contagious energy, as well as why nourishing our internal state and our mental health needs to come first if we are to be effective leaders. Please join Greg and Anise in this wonderful interview in podcast number 753. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth. And I want to thank all my listeners, James, as I always do, uh, who come from around the world to listen to our podcasts. Um, we've been on the air over 13 years. We've done 760 podcasts. We've got some great podcasts up there right now toward the end of the year when people are trying to make changes in their life. I'm going to put a plug in uh, for Tiny Habits with BF Fog. Definitely take a listen to that one. But today, joining me from Utah is James. And James, I don't want to mess up your last name. Can you just say it for me again? Sure, it's Purpura. Or Purpura. Purpura. And yeah. he and his wife, Steph, have a new book out called Perception, Seeing is Not Believing. It's Time to Evolve. They also have a very, very robust website, which I'm going to talk about right now for you to go to in a movie that's been made around this book. Uh, their website is Powerful You, and that's Powerful-You.com. Again, Powerful-You.com. And I encourage you to go up there, look at some of the videos they've got. We'll also talk about the assessment toward the end of this podcast, but there's actual a perception sketch website. It's a separate website where you take an assessment. And I will give you the links to that. That will be on our blog as well. Well, James, let me let the listeners know just a tad bit about you. James and his wife, Steph, journey of transformation is nothing short of extraordinary. Before they met 15 years ago, both of their lives hit rock bottom. They were financially, emotionally, and spiritually bankrupt. Life had beaten them down and shattered their self-esteem. They were at the lowest point in their lives, and then they met. And they were united by a shared vision of creating and becoming more. They started the only place they could by working on themselves and helping each other grow. They believed in each other, but more importantly, they challenged each other. And every step of the way, they never uh, settled for anything less. So great, great way to kind of start this out, because that's the way I'd like to start our interview, James. You know, you both tell your story. And if you would, please tell our listeners a little bit about, I mean, you know, incarceration, there's a lot in this story. And I think it sets the context for us moving into the perceptions and emotions, if you would. Sure. You know, both of us had had some pretty severe childhood trauma. I had I had a, my kindergarten teacher used to bring me up in front of the room and tell me I was stupid every day, make the whole class tell me stup- I was stupid. My wife was a survivor of childhood sexual trauma. Um, and where that ended up for us is eventually that that ended up me in a jail cell being a homeless drug addict. And for her, she ended up on a hotel room floor after a brutal failed suicide attempt. And that was just about a year and a half before we both met. And, you know, that kind of put us into that position. And we, we, I obviously fill in a lot more details as you read the book or see the movie. 
But the idea is that we're trying to demonstrate that everybody's on a path to somewhere. And without intervention, you may end up somewhere you don't want to be. And it is a very engaging story. And then um, for my listeners throughout the book, they tell their story, but then they weave in what they've learned. And I think the most important thing is, you know, you get a story, you understand where somebody is in their life, the pain, the pain body that gets activated, the emotions and so on. And then you get to see how they worked through it, you know? And you state in the book that perceptions and emotions not only dictate all of your experiences from the beginning to the end, but they also give your life meaning. What would you like to tell the listeners out there today about shifting or transforming their perceptions about their own lives? Well, I think that, you know, what I would say about perception is, is that when you think about perception and emotions, those are the two things that dictate everything in your life and yet as a society or as a, as a species we fail to understand recognize or study how they work and that's really where we went into because you know there was you know when i was sitting in that jail cell and i realized that i wanted to rebuild my life you know i i had this epiphany and the epiphany was what if all of this was my fault what if i somehow created all of the messes i was in you know and i considered what that idea meant right you know if i if i did create it it meant i could I had to take responsibility for everything, but it it also meant I could create something new in its place if I could figure out how you create in this physical reality. Uh, the other side was if I didn't, then I probably don't want to play anymore because that meant I really was a victim because a lot of bad things had happened to me. And so what I what we really did was when we met is we decided to embark on a journey on how to create our existence. This was a long journey, but but essentially what happened is what we figured out was perception and emotions are the keys to not only creating, you know, wealth and money and material things, but also by fostering happiness and well-being. And so what it basically comes down to is that your perception, shifting your perception of the outside world is how you, how you create wealth and material things shifting your perception of the inside world is how you create a sense of well-being and happiness well let's talk about that you know you tell us and the listeners in the book uh, and about both of your patterns you said james you externalize things and you said steph internalized your emotions you mentioned that it's important for our listeners and people that are listening to this now to understand that perception is the source of our internal and external experiences. How is that experience for the both of you? And in your case, let's just say you, you, because you externalize things and she internalized things. And you make a big point of this in the book as to how we deal with those perceptions. Absolutely. And what's important to understand here is if you're somebody who feels like you're a victim, who feels like things are happening to you instead of because of you, and you point out into the world and say, it's some, you know, everything is somebody else's fault, then you are, you're somebody who externalizes you know, these feelings. If you're somebody who is constantly berating themselves and telling yourself that you're not good enough and you know, doing this, you know, really putting a dark spin on, it's all about you blaming yourself for everything that happens. You're somebody who internalizes these emotions. And what's important to understand is that one's not better than the other. 
but it's important to understand where you're coming from because it's all based in perception, right? It's all based in your ideas and your concepts. And here's the underlying principle that people don't seem to, I think they, they may know this, but they don't really understand it is, is the basic fundamental understanding around perception is that you do not see reality. As a matter of fact, your mind has no access to it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I say that, people go, yeah, yeah, I get it. And I'm like, no, you don't get it because it feels real. And so the other thing that you have to understand is everything on the inside is literally being reflected on the outside. And that's what you see. You see an assumption of what you think reality is based on your past experiences. And so when people start to comprehend what this means, what it means is, is that you're literally, it's like you're playing a video game. And the, the, the program that's being projected on the screen of the world is your belief system. And that's all you're ever interacting with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that being said, you know, I think the word perception, look, we can say that, you, you know, you even define it in the book, but that's not really what perception is. So how do, and, and how does perception really work? Right. I think that's important because, you know, we're talking about, a word that gets interpreted by our listeners or anybody to say, well, I know what perception is. And I'd like for you, if you would, to say not only what it is, but really how does it work? Well, so there are many different meanings of the word perception and, you know, let's just recognize that. But, you know, for the sake of this conversation, it would be your individual interpretation of the world around you and yourself, and which dictates what you see. So here's another underlying, here's how perception works. Your perception, much like your eyesight, exists in a limited field. You can only see what you believe to be possible, right? And that's a really hard concept to understand, but we actually do tell a really short and easy story to help people understand that. And I'm gonna ask you a question and we can, you know, we can help the listeners walk through this, Can you have the thing that you want most in the world sitting right in front of your face and just not see it? What do you think? You're asking me that question? Yep. Uh, Most definitely. I can have whatever it is that I want to have. Right. So basically we tell a story. I want you to imagine a guy. This guy wants more than anything to be loved, to be in a relationship. Unfortunately, he's got super low self-esteem, terrible image of himself. One day this guy walks into a store. He walks up to the counter, right? And the girl behind the counter starts flirting with him. My question for you is, does he recognize the girl is flirting with him? I would say no. Right. And so most everybody says probably not, which is the right answer. And so if you answered probably not or no, you already understand how perception works. But but you should be asking yourself this question. If this guy has the thing that he wants most in the world sitting right in front of his face, at least the opportunity to get that thing, and he can't see it, what if that's happening to me? And that, and most people like to imagine that, oh, that's just a cute story. No, it is happening to you. Not only is it happening to you, it happens to you every single day, because that's the way perception works, because you can only see what you believe to be possible. The reason the guy doesn't see the lady flirting with him, right, when in reality she is, is because he's denying experience in his mind because it's my, he might even be having a dialogue with himself like, oh, a woman like this would never be interested in me, right? Because he doesn't think it's possible, so therefore he doesn't see it. So 
basically the reason the title of our book and our movie is Perception Seeing is Not Believing, because the opposite is actually true. Believing is seeing. You can only see what you believe to be possible. The more you believe it, the more likely you are to see it. The less you believe it, the less likely you are to see it. And that's the underlying principle behind perception. Well, look, you've made our listeners aware of the fact of what perception is. And it's one thing to be aware. All right. Okay. I'm aware the girl um, is flirting with me. All right. How do we deepen that ability to change or transform the perceptions that are going, that we have that are limiting? Right. Right. So So that limiting perception is right now working on that man, let's just stay with this girl idea. And he has no idea that she's flirting with him or he's not, he hasn't perceived it. So he doesn't have a heightened sense of awareness that that's what's going on. Uh, How do you guys help your people that come to you for coaching and watch your movie and do all this change that? So let's take this man, for instance. Well, why didn't he see it? Because I said he had low self-esteem. So his low self-esteem, which is something on the inside, is impacting what he's seeing on the outside. And so if you think about it as in a a movie screen, right, he's watching a film play out based on his experiences and his beliefs about himself. And that film isn't very empowering at this point in time. So in order for him to see something differently, he has to believe it's possible, right? Because if he were to work on his self-esteem, then he would become aware of that he deserves love and then he would see the opportunities that aren't not there they're already in front of him we hear this happen all the time with people like oh we worked together for years and we didn't even know each other liked each other right and we hear these stories all the time but that's how it works and so what you have to do is you have to work from the inside out you know there's all this hyper and the law of attraction there has been for the last 10 years but people have misrepresented what the law of attraction is Mm -hmm. if you're sitting staring at a vision board, it's not to draw what you want into your experience through some magical force. It's to foster belief so that you can see what's already there. I got it. Because once you set your intention, things start showing up. And a really simple example of this for your listeners is I want you to imagine the car you're driving right now. You know, whether you whether you decided you you were going to buy that car when you were at the lot or before, the minute you bought that car, everybody in your town was driving that car, right? And you're like, where did, where did all these cars come from? I didn't even see them before. Well, you didn't see them because your mind wasn't on the conscious lookout. So the guy doesn't see the girl flirting with him because your mind will not put time and energy looking for things that you don't believe are possible, just like you wouldn't go to the end of a rainbow and look for a pot of gold. So the, the, the short, long and short answer is that, is that you have to be able to foster a different narrative inside of yourself about what's possible, what you're capable of, who you are, because self-esteem is just your interpretation of yourself. Well, I think it is, the most it is that narrative, James, that, that we're talking about fostering the new narrative. But I also know that part of that perception about the car example is kind of this thing called the reticular activating system. And, you know, it starts to see the same cars, you know, and, and let's stay on this because I think this is important. You have a chapter on identity crisis, right? You're just speaking about that. The guy has an identity crisis and you speak about rejection. 
Okay. Maybe this guy's been directed. Right. He has beliefs that we're not good enough. We're not good enough for her. So he's, he's going to not even see her. So it splits in our mind showing up in four different ways. You guys say, can you explain and, and, and in this way, explain how this shows up and how the ego takes over. Sure. So let's do a quick experiment. Do you know something that irritates you, makes you mad, makes you sad, anything? Uh, yeah, people that are incompetent. Okay, perfect. All right, so I'm going to welcome you and all of your listeners who, who might know something that makes them mad to bring up that frustration or anger just for a second. Just allow yourself to feel it for a second. Let me know when you have it. Mm-hmm. All right, where in, your, where in your body is that showing up? My stomach. Okay, so what I want you to do now is to focus on the pain in your stomach. Allow yourself to feel it. There is an early childhood memory attached to that pain. It'll just pop in your mind. You don't have to think about it. Let mm-hmm. me know when you have it. Mm-hmm. Got it. Is that something you're comfortable with sharing on the air? Sure, sure. Just like What's you. What's the memory? Uh, I, uh, I failed first grade. And uh, not only did the teacher not pay attention, just like you were talking about, it was like, you're not good enough, right? Right. So I excelled throughout school, everything I did from that point on, because it was so humiliating. And that's why I don't like incompetent people. Right. So, so let's look. So I know the correlation between all this, but that doesn't mean that it's right. I just know the correlation. Right. It could have been. Let me tell you the truth. It could have been your neighbor's dog is pooping in your yard, and that's what you were angry about, and still mm-hmm. would have went back to that moment. Right. Because in that moment, what we've discovered, we've walked hundreds and hundreds of people through it. And that process I just did with you, and every single one lands at the same place. And it's the first notable rejection or failure when they felt like they weren't good enough. That's where it always lands. And this is right. where the identity crisis happens. Correct. Right. I didn't have to guess. I didn't even have to know what you were mad about. It was just going to land there because it lands there every single time. And I'm sure it landed there for many of your listeners. So what happens in that moment is this is the separation that's talked about in every spiritual tradition. When you were a child, you did not feel separate from your parents. In that moment, when you failed first grade, not only did you feel separate and alone, but you felt like whatever you were was not good enough. Right. And that, well, but then, but then the world around you too, James starts to actually, uh, I don't want to count it. Um, they help move it along. Right. So then the parents start to beat up on you. Oh, you shouldn't have done that. You know, the kids around you start making fun of you. Oh, you're a dummy. You know, it does. You know, my point is, is it, it starts to like snowball. Right. It's a snowball effect. Um, Absolutely. And the pain, now you're hyper, you're now hyper focused on it. But in yeah. that moment, you're, you're the fight for your survival just began. Correct. And so what what we say is this shows up in four different ways. Essentially, what happens in that moment, you decide that whatever I am is not good enough. Mm-hmm. I need. And so where this comes down to is we have to go back to when we were in ancient times, because this feeling of survival is in our DNA from a long, long time ago, but when we were in, existed in tribes, you know, our biggest fear to this day is still death, but there's three forms of death that are in our DNA that we fear. The first one is the fear of uncertainty, which is the fear of potential death. You know, it's why we wouldn't leave one place to go to another place back in ancient times, 
because if we were, we were taking on death. So death had to be more likely from staying than going. The second one is the fear of instant death, right? And the fear of instant death is we don't do things that'll kill us. But fortunately for us as a species, we put tags on those things and stickers and don't do this and don't do that. So we don't think about that much anymore. The last one is the most scary, and this is our biggest fear. It's the fear of ugly death. People say all the time, I don't mind dying. I just don't want to suffer, right? We don't want to suffer, but there is an equivalent in our DNA to ugly death. And that equivalent is rejection. That's mm -hmm. what triggers the fear of ugly death inside of us and our fight for our survival um, starts. So what you, what you need to understand, your listeners need to understand is that when you were rejected from the tribe, you were dead and you were ugly dead because it takes eight guys with a stick to fight off a bear. There is no survival outside of the tribe. Now, there's only two ways to survive at this point. You can either gain acceptance of the tribe and get let back in, or you can take control of the tribe, right? And so when you look at the world, what game is everybody playing right now? Gaining right? acceptance. Social media is nothing <laughs> but a giant acceptance machine so right. everybody's trying to gain acceptance right or they're trying to take control right. and this is why the oppressor oppressed the oppressor oppressed game keeps playing out is because we all believe we're fighting for our survival but this is in fact where the ego takes over because what happens is all you know is what you are is not good enough so your ego says i got you and it spins up a persona and says well is this good enough well that's not good enough either so it keeps spinning up personas to gain validation. The problem is, is that your ego will never gain the validation it needs because you're trying to gain validation for a persona, not the real authentic version of you who is now hiding under a thousand personas. Yeah, and that's the, real, the situation we find ourselves the in. The soul of you, meaning the, the most important part that wants to come out is your spiritual side. Now you state that we need to understand how big the challenge can be. We first need to understand that there are three key things that dictate how we create our lives. And you say one, to recognize opportunity, two, to make decisions, and three, to take action. Why did our perception evolve to do the opposite of these three things? Because we are beings who are geared towards survival. That's the survival mechanism, right? And survival is all based in react, not think right and so the reason perception perception is your ability to walk into a room in microseconds to assess the situation to perceive threat right well that's the exact opposite of mindfulness right and so essentially we evolved as as a species to put our to project our fear into the future to put ourselves into a heightened state of awareness to be ready for an attack that wasn't there yet or a famine that wasn't there yet and this is why we survive but it's literally the thing that's going to kill us if we're not careful the fight or flight fight or flight right, right? yeah because yeah, yeah. we have to take control of our physiology and we have to move into a state of mindfulness we have to be able to think create and so seeing opportunities is about looking at the situation differently right, outside of your initial reaction, right, and saying, is there more here, right, which takes mindfulness. Making decisions is all about fostering an, a, a feeling of safety and well-being inside of you so that you feel safe enough inside to take on the, to take on the uncertainty that exists outside. Mm -hmm. And taking action and sustaining action is all about 
being able to move into that uncertainty and to be able to, you know, be in alignment with that. Yeah. And, and I think like uh, I was talking about with tiny habits, it's also what's motivating that action. Right. So yeah, and that's where everybody, great point. And that's where everybody gets screwed up because we're getting ready to go into new year's Eve or, you know, that the new year's starting. And so it's like, Oh, everybody wants to lose weight. Right. Well, everybody's model of change is, Hey, I know what I'll do. I'll just go to the gym and I'll, I'll eat less and I'll exercise. Well, change was never about habits. It was only ever about the beliefs that are driving the habits. Mm -hmm. And so if you try to change at the level of habits, then you're going to be upside down because, because you will not know if you change the belief that was driving the behavior. So, you know, essentially you could lose a hundred pounds in the next year, get to the end of that journey. And if you didn't change the belief, if you just white knuckled it, right. If you tortured yourself all the way through, the second you take your conscious attention off of that working out and exercising, the belief the which is back. still in place will reset the behavior. Right, exactly. You know, I work with the Mayo Clinic and I work with all of the programs that go out on the internet and help people change behavior. So as a behavioral scientist, I really understand this. And you state that you started digging in to better understand our emotions and that you were amazed, both you and Steph, at how little information is out there explaining them. If you would speak with the audience about the three types of boundaries that you explain in the book. Right. So let's, let's give a, I'm going to give a frame for emotions first. So here's the frame for emotions is that what we don't, we fail to understand is as a species, we are constantly making our emotions about other people. You know, you made me feel this way or their emotions about us. They're mad. They must not like me. Right. Your emotions were never there to tell you that something was wrong on the outside. They're there to tell you that there's something wrong on the inside. Your emotions are the only window that you have into your subconscious mind. So they are your guide, right? And so your emotional responses as it relates to interactions, you know, three boundaries are a physical boundary. Somebody touches you in a way that, that you know, and that's fairly easy to dictate a property boundary somebody takes something that belongs to you and the last one is an emotional boundary and when somebody crosses an emotional boundary it's very hard to dictate because it's all based on perception and so very oftentimes because we misunderstand that our emotions are about us not about other people and their emotions are about them not about us then we fail to see the gift that emotions are are giving us which is Every negative emotion that you feel is pointing to a false and limiting belief you're still harboring inside of you. Well, and that's true. And and I'm a graduate of a stool, school called University of Santa Monica, USA, with a degree in spiritual psychology. And we have a bumper sticker. You don't have to believe everything you think. And I love that one because that's really a lot about what we're talking about here. So you you state that the change is more about stopping than starting. You mentioned that we should be asking ourselves these questions. What thoughts, feelings, and behaviors do we uh, currently engage in that are standing between the person that I am now and the person I want to be? What actions can we take to evolve into the person that we want to be versus being trapped by our thoughts and emotions and beliefs that are keeping us the person that we currently are today, James. 
So you hit on it actually really well right before you opened that segment, which was this idea that we believe that we see we that we, we believe everything that we see, right? That or we that see we think. reality. It right, actually is. You don't have to believe everything you think. And and I think right. what happens so, is we have a thought and we go, oh, you know, that needs to turn into a belief. And the reality is that's so far from the truth. Right. And so one of my narratives is that the first thing you have to understand is that you're wrong. And what are you wrong about? Just about everything. And why is that important? Because only in standing in the not knowing of something can you find an answer. If you know everything, then your life right now is as good as it's ever going to get. And so uncertainty is about, and creativity is about moving into the uncertainty of not knowing, right? And so because our mind works in assumptions, that's the way perception works, it's always making assumptions, you have to stand outside of that assumption and you have to question everything, every thought, every feeling, every interpretation, right? in a different way that you train yourself to look at the world. You know, it's, I mean, people think that they have free will, but they actually don't, not at least in the way that they think about it. Here's what I would tell you is that you never have free will in the moment because you can only ever act in accordance with your beliefs. That is the core program. You cannot do something that's not in accordance with what you believe on some level. So if that's true, in that moment, you don't have free will. Where you do have free will, is at any point you can start unearthing and questioning all of the beliefs in your past to impact situations that are going to be in your future. Well, and that's so true. And I and I just did an interview with uh, a lady called Rita McGrath, and she talks about blind spots, and you talk about them too. And you mentioned that one of the keys to the process of growth is finding the blind spots. How do we recognize them and what can we do about these blind spots that you talk about? Well, I think so oftentimes people always say that you do know, you don't know what you don't know. And the truth is you actually don't know what you do know as well, right? Because when, you know, 95 of your mental percent of your mental cognition is in your subconscious mind, right? And so you're, you're full of these blind spots of things that you don't realize. So you're all, you know, Life actually makes perfect sense, right? I can sit down with somebody and I can say, tell me what you believe about money, or, or I, I'm sorry, the opposite. Let me see how much money's in your bank account. I can tell you what you believe about money. Let's talk about the quality of your relationships. I can see, I can see what you believe about relationships. Let's talk about the, you know, your career. I can see what you believe about your capabilities. You know, let's talk about your health or fitness. I can tell you what you believe about health or fitness because there is no magic to this process. What you feel and, and believe on the inside is reflected on the outside. And what's the evidence of that? The evidence is everywhere because it is your life. And so oftentimes we act like that life doesn't make sense when in reality, it makes perfect sense. Right now, today, you can calculate your path in any area. You can literally say, you know, how, where's my health and fitness comparison was last year? And push that number into the future a year from now, and you can do the same thing with money, finances, career. There is no magic to this. It's just you have to wake up to the fact that everything in your life is a reflection of who you currently are, and you need to become aware of the fact that things aren't happening outside of you, that they're literally being happening inside of you and be projected on the outside. Well, and I think that gives us an opportunity for people to actually measure it. And you have a tool 
that measures three things to change mindset, capacity, and the power. And these three things connect to the opportunity decisions and actions, as you say. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about uh, this perception sketch, kind of how it came about and how it could help them in everything that we've really talked about? Because I think a lot of people like assessments. It kind of gives them an indicator, a barometer of really where they sit. I started answering some of the questions. I didn't finish mine, but I really got where the perception sketch was going. Yeah. So perception sketch is an interesting tool because you can't cheat it because everything's based on two right answers. And so it really gives you permission to answer what's congruent your subconscious mind. And so it's a tool to figure out what beliefs are holding you back on a subconscious level? You know, it's funny because I've rewritten the sketch three times, not the questions, but the, the answers, you know, the results, because the first time it was just too brutal for people, right? It took too much explanation. And as soon as, because they didn't want to hear what was going on deep inside of them. And so we had to literally kiss them before we slap them because it was like, wait, that's not me. And then when you explained it, they were like, oh, that's exactly me. But it took too much explanation and it was too raw for people. So we're on our third iteration. It's a much softer introduction into the beliefs that are holding you back, but it's based on three principles. And this is all about creating on the outside world, creating material things. It's it's based on the principle of mindset in the care of the WEC sense of the word, fix versus growth. It's also based, so that is mindset. Whether you have a fixed mindset, it's also based on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is safety, basically. And that would be your capacity to make decisions. You cannot take, you you have a limit of uncertainty you can take on at any given time. If you don't feel safe on the inside, you're never going to be able to take any more uncertainty on in the outside. And so we, we rate you on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And the last one is power, which is all about taking action, which is your ability to take ownership of the things that you're doing in your life. And this is all based on perception because the truth is, you know, what is a growth mindset? A growth mindset is I am capable of anything. Well, are you capable of anything? Well, no, I'm not. But believing that you're capable of anything actually, because now you've fostered more belief, you see more of the available opportunities. You may not take all of them, but at least you're going to be on the field and see them. The second one is, is that, when you feel a sense of safety on the inside, you have the opportunity to take on risk on the outside. The question is, are you safe? Well, you're safe until you're not safe, right? People often get confused because we are living in the safest time in known history, but because of the globalization of news, it doesn't feel that way. So they're constantly in a state of feeling scared and scarcity, like everything, everything's coming at them. But in fact, you can foster safety inside of you and that safety can come on the outside and that's how we make decisions and the last one is you know do you create your life or do you not recreate your life and do you take responsibility for the stuff inside and then we we dictate those based off of the four categories i talked about early health and fitness um we call it physical mental well-being physical well-being um money because everybody wants to know about that we do it on uh relationships and your your life path And so we give you answers about the beliefs that are holding you back in all the different areas of your life. Well, James, I think that we've done a pretty thorough job of covering the book today, and I'm going to encourage my listeners to go get a copy of Perception Seeing is Not Believing. 
We'll put a link to the Amazon so that you can uh, get a copy of this book. As well, I want to encourage the listeners to to go up to their website. It's called Powerful-U.com. There's many ways to get engaged with them. There's the assessment. There's coaching. There's the universe. There's videos that they've got, um, a plethora of videos. The movie itself, you can buy the movie uh, about the book. And you also can uh, contact them through there as well. Uh, We'll have all of these links, uh, not only to that website, but we'll also have links to the website where we were just talking about the perception sketch. What is the perception sketch? I think you guys should go take it because for this reason, number one, there's absolutely no cost. You can take the perception sketch and see where you sit and it'll give you an opportunity to get more engaged um, uh, with James and Steph. James, a pleasure having you on Inside Personal Growth and spending a few minutes with our authors uh, explaining your book and how you help people shift perception to have a better life. It's truly been an honor having you on. Thanks for being hey, with Greg, us. Greg, I want to thank you so much. And you know, I just want to say to your listeners, I know there's people listening to the sound of our voice that might be depressed, might even be considering suicide right now. And I want to say to you that there's hope, right? This book, you know, is different because it really gives you insights into the function of being human. It's like a an instruction manual. I want you to say that if you're feeling that pain and you're feeling in a deep state of, I don't know what to do. I can't go on anymore like that. Reach out to somebody, let them know how you're feeling, you know, come to our website, reach out to us because there are resources to help you move your life forward in every way. And we would love to help you because all we want to do is this is powerful. You is our way of giving back. And that's powerful dash the letter U, by the way. Uh, just to be clear, yeah. you know, it's our way yeah. of giving back to be able to facilitate change in the world. Because when we sold our technology company, we didn't need any more money. What we want to do is help people transform their lives because this isn't the world I want my grandkids to live in. And so well, I think you want to transform your life. You please. and your wife and your team, you've got a big team of people that work with you as well. You're all dedicated to shifting the consciousness of society and shifting people's consciousness requires that people work at it. And you provide a tool. There are lots of tools out there, folks. But I believe that the actual tools that they have and the ways that they approach this are ways for you to get involved and for you to use this and have sustainable um, transformation in your life. So, James, again, um, namaste to you and everybody there at Powerful You. And I appreciate you so much being on the show today. Thank you so much. Have a great day, Greg. This podcast is brought to you by Wayne Baker, the author of a new book entitled All You Have to Do is Ask. Please join Greg and Wayne on podcast number 760 as they speak about power in being able to ask for assistance. Much research has been done on the benefits of asking, but strangely enough, people still have a fear associated with asking because it makes them feel less than or not enough. In Greg's interview with Wayne, they explore how to empower you to simply ask and seek advice and how this will help you in so many ways. You can learn more about All You Have to Do is Ask by visiting www.allyouhavetodoisask.com. 
There you will find a free assessment on your asking style. We hope you enjoy this wonderful interview with author Wayne Baker about his new book, All You Have to Do is Ask. Thanks for listening.